Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information and advisory services partner for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with information assets, advisory support, and consulting services that help inform and power their growth strategies in their most important markets around the world. Today, we'll be speaking about growing sales in Sub-Saharan Africa by more effectively targeting the public sector. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group, and I will be moderating today's podcast. Joining me from FSG's London office is Will Atwell, our practice leader for Sub-Saharan Africa and the author of our flagship management excellence report, Selling to SSA's Public Sector. As a reminder, this research and all of our content is available for clients via our portal at FrontierStrategyGroup.com. Will, thank you for joining me today. Uh, the research I, I, is truly fascinating, both in terms of understanding the customer uh, as well as outlining very specific strategies for success. And I thought as we, uh, as we get started, maybe we start at the 30,000-foot level and just uh, talk about why the focus on the public sector. Thank you, Rich. So simply put, the public sector in SSA Um, represents an outsized portion of the overall opportunity landscape uh, in the region. Um, So together with um, that well-known rising consumer class in SSA, it's really the biggest driver of um, new and growing commercial opportunities for multinationals in in the region. They're also some of the the region's largest um, single customers. So they procure billions and billions of dollars of, of goods and services. Um, and actually, you know, when you look across um, different uh, regions, uh, the public sector really constitutes a larger share of overall demand than it does in, uh, in any other world region except South Asia. So it's around 15% of GDP. Um, and so this creates opportunities across um, most large industries, you know, whether it's healthcare or industrials or, or technology, um, and even in some cases, some consumer goods as well. Yeah, I think you make a good point that it's too big to ignore, uh, given uh, that relative ranking of, of percentage of GDP that's spent uh, in public sector in, in the region. The, the opportunity, therefore, is, is large and it's clear. And, and in your report, I think you, you make a, a very interesting point that targeting public sector sales should not just be a focus for B2G type, B, business to government type firms. Uh, For the benefit of our listeners, could you elaborate on some of the main opportunities that you see coming through and what's driving this? That's absolutely right. Um, I mean, public sector customers um, do buy a huge variety of goods and services, um, ranging from extremely sophisticated technology to rather more basic supplies as well, FMCG goods as well in some cases. Um, So it's impossible to be entirely um, exhaustive. Um, Let me perhaps focus on one or two uh, real drivers that we see coming forward that should create um, those classic kind of B2G opportunities, but also B2B supplier opportunities as well. Uh, a really prominent example here is the infrastructure programs that we see across much of the region. Um, you know, the headlines around mega projects uh, such as big port developments, uh, rail and road developments, of course, creating opportunities for a wide array of, of, of uh, contractors. 
So, you know, what's really driving this is um, SSA governments are realizing they have a, a large development backlog, and if they're going to put their economies on a stable footing, um, they really need to address that. So they're pouring um, considerable resources into addressing these, these deficits. Um, but they're also undergoing political pressure to deliver services to their citizens, whether it's uh, better education systems, better healthcare systems, um, and generally becoming more effective as, as, as uh, regulators and as managers of, of those economies. Um, so as I mentioned, they're investing in all of these um, kind of social and economic infrastructure uh, forms um, that's creating opportunity uh, for a wide range of suppliers. And well, when you look at the um, the different industries uh, that are out there, what's your perspective in terms of the healthcare opportunity? We have a lot of healthcare clients at FSG, and obviously the region is one uh, that uh, has a lot of promise. And I'm just curious when you think about that, the the healthcare opportunity. Infrastructure obviously is is one big area, but healthcare seems like it would be another. Of course, yeah. Uh, I think you know really important. Uh, area of reform that we're seeing rising to prominence at the moment is the rollout of several new universal health systems. Uh, generally, public health systems have been very underdeveloped in SSA, um, really only reaching a small percentage of most populations of, of SSA markets. So uh, governments in the region, together with their donor partners, are now um, starting to address this. Um, making much larger budget allocations to the health sector. And so we're seeing demand from the public health system growing quite dramatically. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, f uh, four, five, six percent um, as uh, large budget allocations are ring-fenced for rolling out those public health systems, um, often with a big focus on, on primary health care. Uh, I should add, though, that, you know, of course, when you're thinking about who ultimately the customer is, um, in many of the uh, less developed markets in SSA, um, donors are really the primary providers of, of healthcare. So in terms of accessing that public sector spend, um, you're really dealing with customers that are likely to be um, based uh, where the donor HQ is, whether that's Geneva or New York. So it's important to understand where those decision makers are sitting, really. Um, I, I probably just add as well, though, that across, you know, both these um, public service areas like healthcare, but also the mega projects that I mentioned earlier, um, there's a huge opportunity emerging for uh, technology providers as well. So we see public sector players um, across all sorts of different kinds of customer segments in the public sector investing in, um, you know, cloud computing systems, for instance, or rolling out uh, more sophisticated computer infrastructure to help them deliver those services more efficiently. Yeah, and I think um, building on an earlier report that your practice released on you know, capturing this, the consumer class as well, which you mentioned is the other huge uh, spending category uh, and, and customer segment for, uh, for the region, uh, technology and technology disruption will play a huge part in both, both of these uh, segments, the consumer as well as the public sector. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, the, um, one of the things that uh, I think I'd be curious, both in terms of healthcare but also infrastructure, um, how do MNCs tap into this demand? You know, what, what, what are some of the high-level strategies for success uh, that, that you, would, you would point out uh, based on uh, being able to tap into these, these pockets of demand? That's a really important question. Um, you know, I mentioned in the case of um, selling to donors, understanding where 
those decision makers sit as an important part of it and um you know uh, so sales efforts might be focused more at at the HQ level um however there you know a range of different ways in to tapping this public sector demand um one is of course uh bidding directly on um in response to requests for proposals that public sector customers put out there um so those will typically be a big notification um perhaps uh logged on the um government's public procurement website and and companies can bid for that however a lot of public sector projects are um complex multi-stakeholder initiatives where you might not actually be selling directly to the government but you might be involved in more of a b2b sale to one of the major contractors involved in a public sector project so in that case you know you're really going through more of a corporate supply chain process um in order to tap that that uh, demand um so there're quite a variety of different ways in to to doing this and i think it's important to um you know identify exactly which uh process you're going through and having the right uh, people on the ground to to ultimately pursue that great so all of this sounds super positive um but i'm i want to maybe play devil's advocate for a moment given that i think there's been promise in the region before and that promise hasn't necessarily played out in the timetables uh that that were originally expected so i want to ask you um specifically why you think executives need to shift gear and focus on public sector customers and and why now mm uh, that's that's a really critical um uh question i think speaks to kind of why we're highlighting this issue um right now um so you know right now multinational space quite a difficult situation um in SSA and in in other emerging market regions as well really um so you know across the region um uh executives under a growing pressure to improve their their uh, sales performance uh in the region as it emerges from a bit of a slump in in 2016-17 um but we're not moving into a period where growth is uh, dramatically improving um so there's lower growth prospects overall but at the same time there's this pressure to increase sales so i think you know where the public sector comes into this is this is a relatively untapped opportunity uh it's been overlooked by um many executives for many years during owing to worries around for instance um, you know corruption risks and uh, just the complexity of the customer base Uh, so without um you know uh, the right capabilities in the market many multinationals have missed out on this opportunity or have chosen not to focus in on it the so executives acknowledge that there are untapped opportunities sitting there um so a recent poll we took of SSA heads um revealed that around 60% of them uh, of those that we polled uh, believe that they aren't reaching all the relevant customer segments um so some of these are public sector opportunities that they simply haven't been going after um i think another reason why um you know sort of why now is the fact that um many of these opportunities are emerging for the first time so ssa is very undeveloped by um the standards even of emerging markets so uh you know these are in some cases are are opportunities that didn't exist before um think you know the uh the new universal healthcare systems that are being rolled out but there are a range of other areas where social and economic infrastructure is being developed for the first time so it's an opportunity to tap this new demand that didn't exist before 
Well, I found the, um, the, the, the survey that you did fascinating. 60% uh, of executives don't understand that they're probably not reaching uh, all of the relevant customer segments. Um, at the same time, you mentioned uh, corruption, risk perception, and complexity. Um, so I, I imagine those two are correlated to some extent. Uh, and I know that from events that we've hosted, uh, that's always come up as, as in terms of prioritizing uh, focus on this, uh, this region versus maybe other regions across EMEA or even more globally, that's always been a concern. Is, is there a better story to tell on the whole corruption risk perception um, side of things? We understand that there's, there's this undeveloped uh, infrastructure, there's undeveloped programs that are now starting to get focused, but what about the corruption issue? Mm. This is a, uh, an, an issue that's worried uh, businesses operating in the region for some time. And uh, I guess there are really two dimensions I'd want to mention here. I think the one is that in certain key markets, and we've identified this in our research actually, um, the uh, corruption uh, risk is declining um, due to a range of reforms that are being implemented. So there are a number of markets where um, you know, procurement systems, for instance, weren't as professionalized as they should be, um, but there have been uh, major reforms undertaken in the last uh, five years or so. Uh, which has really put those on a much more professional footing. So there are more objective processes of um, selling essentially to the public sector, and uh, decisions are taken on, a, on, you know, according to the specifications of particular um, procurement uh, proposals, rather than, um, you know, through sort of political decision making. Um, and I'd highlight Rwanda here really as an example where um, th those governments have put in place um, quite uh, sophisticated procurement operations. Of course, there are those markets where um, those kinds of professionalized procurement systems aren't as developed and multinationals need to be very aware of that and, and put the right mitigation processes um, in place. The other side of it, you know, comes back to that point around ultimately the customer not necessarily being the government itself. And so, you know, often uh, when you are tapping into that public sector demand, uh, it may be more of a B2B sale, or you might be selling to a donor, or you might be selling to a special purpose vehicle that is the result of a public-private partnership. So there are a number of areas where, you know, your actual exposure to the potentially um, corrupt political interests is actually not very great uh, at all. That's a, that's a really good point. And so it sounds like you're, you're, you're uh, to borrow a, a, a phrase, uh, pounding the table that uh, this is the time right now for executives mm -hmm. uh, to act. And so uh, what, from your perspective, is the benefit of, an, of a multinational taking action right now rather than waiting and seeing a little bit longer? Mm. Well, I think it's important to recognize that this is a fast evolving space. Um, so multinationals that are quick movers, get in there early, are in a better position to build strong relationships with those public sector customers. And actually, if they move in early, they are in a strong position to actually start to shape how demand will evolve going forward. For instance, by um, being able to more effectively and constructively influence, uh, say, the government's uh, policy priorities. Um, so in doing this in a, in a constructive way, you can actually uh, influence demand in ways that creates uh, more sustained opportunities going into the future as well. 
I'd say that the second thing to remember um, is that uh, all of this public sector development is happening quite rapidly. Um, so it's helped by large-scale donor support, but also you know, recent developments like we've seen a lot more external borrowing by SSA governments, for instance. Um, and so these are fairly recent developments that's creating this momentum going forward. Great. Um, I imagine contracts are easier to access in some markets than in others, um, and I think it would be helpful to unpack uh, who it is. You know, you mentioned that we're not just necessarily selling to governments themselves, so I want to unpack kind of who it is we're talking about when mm. we talk about public sec sector customers. Who, what are those segments? Mm. Yeah, I think this this really does speak to why this is, you know, in some cases a bit of a tricky landscape to navigate. Um, while there is that, that demand and it's large, um, the customer base is very diverse and the way into making those sales um, often involves quite uh, fragmented, um, you know, collections of, of interest groups and of decision makers. So our research really pinpoints six categories or segments of public sector customers. Um, and each of these has their own uh, particular nuances in terms of their procurement processes and how you would go into uh, making a sale to decision makers there. So uh, these are central or federal governments, subnational authorities such as um, city governments or state authorities, uh, state-owned enterprises or SOEs, and uh, joint ventures between the government and private sector partners and then uh, international donor organizations, as I mentioned earlier, and then in many cases, other multinationals, which are carrying out particular um, you know, large public projects. Um, so depending on which of these segments you're selling into, the actual sales process can take quite a wide variety of forms. And the strategic approaches and the particular capabilities you'd need to put in place would uh, you know, differ in each case. So if you look at a state-owned enterprise or SOE, for instance, it's a bit more like selling directly to a government ministry. So um, the process can sometimes be quite lengthy um, and political priorities will come into how a particular bid is evaluated. Whereas if you're becoming a supplier to a PPP or a project that's being uh, delivered by another multinational, it would be more like going through a corporate supply chain process. Um, and uh, you'd be selling, you know, perhaps to a special purpose vehicle that had been set up to carry out the project. So, um, you know, I think when multinationals are looking to uh, sell to, you know, one of these types of public sector segments, um, it's important to make adjustments to your sales strategy depending on what type of supply chain process you're going through. Yeah, I think it's fascinating in your study. You really go after each of these segments with uh, understanding the segment in detail and also strategies for success. And then you also take a geographic view in your understanding which which specific countries uh, are having uh, are, are are the most attractive. And, and 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 I think the overlay of both of those um, dimensions uh, really help you prioritize uh, your efforts. Mm -mm. No, I think, uh, you know, you do need to look at uh, both. Um, you know, there are perhaps uh, situations where 
the environment is too difficult to enter, you know, the uh, corruption risks are too high, for instance, or often the costs are too high in order to uh, justify going after a particular contract. So we're actually working on a, a follow-up piece of research right now that delves into um, some of the more detailed strategy work that's involved in setting yourself up for success in terms of having those right capabilities on the ground, for instance, to go after a, a, a public sector customers. So um, this research on, on uh, strategies is going to be out, uh, we expect, in Q4. Yeah, which I think is important because there, there's one thing to talk about the, the where the opportunities lie, and then the other is your, your own ability to execute and taking a realistic uh, view of that as well. And it sounds like that second piece will zero in on that a bit more. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, so, I mean, in the research we've been doing, there are really three main issues that multinationals have to grapple with when um, assessing whether public sector opportunities are more or less accessible in, in particular SSA markets. So there are opportunities to sell to public sector customers uh, across each of the 49 markets in SSA. Um, you can have very large, lucrative projects with um, considerable scope to be a supplier, um, you know, even in the smallest markets. Uh, so it's not really a matter of market size, it's about accessibility. Um, and in the research we've been doing, there are, there are three um, dimensions, I think, that can be built into an assessment of the opportunity landscape um, in SSA. So the first has to do with cost issues. So these include um, direct costs, often involved in uh, the actual uh, making of a bid uh, to go after a public sector contract. So these can involve things like make, having to make a security deposit when submitting a bid to, make a, to, to access a contract or putting down a performance guarantee, the array of, of different payments that companies need to make in order to access those. And then, of course, there are the overall costs involved in operating in the market. So there are some markets where these costs uh, add up quite quickly, so in the DR Congo, for instance, uh, it's a very expensive market to operate in, whereas um, some of these overheads that uh, are involved in going after public sector opportunities are somewhat lower in, in markets like Ghana or, or Kenya, um, where there's a more of a professional setup. Um, the second big area um, I think can help differentiate between different markets is uh, the transparency question. So uh, the quality of information around public sector opportunities varies uh, quite considerably from market to market. And this involves information to do with things like the specifications of particular contracts or uh, governments, uh, information around governments' intentions around what they're going to spend on. So there are markets where this information is very hard to get hold of, um, like Cameroon, for instance, um, which makes it very difficult to actually strategize around how you're going to go after that uh, spend and which decision makers you're going to target and so on. Um, whereas in markets that are much more uh, transparent, uh, like Namibia, for instance, or uh, Rwanda or Kenya, um, it's much easier to access that critical information you need to, to build your strategy. And then the, the final point I'd make around um, differentiating between different uh, SSA markets and opportunities they offer has to do with political dynamics. So depending on the quality of governance, and we, we spoke about that corruption risk issue before, um, political interests can actually uh, interfere in the sales process quite a lot, making it much longer, introducing quite a bit of um, variance and, and risk that perhaps 
sales fall through. So um, depending on what those political dynamics are can make the uh, sale easier or harder. And you know, markets like Nigeria, there tends to be quite a lot of interference in the um, procurement process, whereas in, in other markets where governance standards are higher, um, and I'll mention Rwanda again, um, that is much less of a risk. And, and I think uh, that's so much information. One of the things I thought you did really well in the report is you, you try to provide some frameworks to help uh, executives differentiate between markets. So could you just, as we wrap up here, talk a little bit about um, some of the tools and uh, frameworks you've included in the, in the report itself? Sure. No, uh, you know, when you're talking about 49 markets, it can be a bit overwhelming to um, map out the entire, you know, public sector opportunity landscape in each one. So what we've done is uh, create a um, across these three dimensions: cost, uh, transparency, and the political dynamics. We've created a traffic light system which covers each of those 49 markets. Um, which really then can help multinationals target where those public sector opportunities are easier or less and less risky to access and where they are perhaps more difficult to access. Um, and then this is uh, coupled with a discussion guide and a questionnaire as well, um, which multinational executives can use to engage with their teams um, and assess, assess where the risks and challenges are greatest and where they might need to you know, perhaps focus some of their mitigation strategies um, on specific pain points. That's fantastic, Will. I, I, uh, and of course, uh, FSG is here to help if, uh, if, if need be as well. Um, well, thank you so much for this fascinating conversation. I really encourage uh, all of our listeners to, to download and read this study. It's, it's fascinating. It's full of uh, great information and, importantly, uh, tools and frameworks to help, uh, help you prioritize and, and really go after this uh, emerging growth segment in the public sector in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, as a reminder to our clients, you can speak with Will or any member of the sub-Saharan Africa practice by reaching out via your client relationship manager uh, or directly. And you can also access this full report and all of FSG's content on our portal at uh, www.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your emerging market portfolio.